I'm Kitty, and boy, I'm so excited to talk to Andrew Olam of Union Special. If you go to their website, unionspecialbread.com, you will drool. You will have to order anything and everything you see on there. It's all so amazing. And he's getting ready to open another location in downtown Raleigh. His current location is on Crabtree Boulevard. Andrew, I know you've got to be busy trying to get all that together. We're hiring people it seems like every week right now so let me ask you this i know you said everything changes when you have a baby that's sort of propelled you into a new point in your career when you decided to open your own spot is that right yeah you know we had talked about the fact that you know as a baker and a chef i'm going to work a lot and that's just kind of the nature of the business but we're trying to to work on ways to change that or mitigate that here but if we're going to work as hard as i was working i would you know i would love to work for myself yeah opening a business is not easy and then of course there was a pandemic but you managed to keep everything alive and you were so busy everybody wanted to get takeout from you we're very lucky for sure and you know we are in an area of raleigh that is very accessible to a lot of different folks we're in the middle of a couple of different neighborhoods and we have a big parking lot and we have some expanded outside seating now. We really stayed open because we wanted to make sure that folks that were working with us could pay their bills. Again, the folks here could pay bills and make sure that they didn't have to worry about, you know, finding a job or, you know, worry about their livelihoods. But also we wanted to make sure that we were able to cook for the community. The Pay It Forward Loaf program is continues to be something that that people have really latched onto and we bake, I think, something like 12,000 or 13,000 loaves of bread that the community has purchased and then we are giving to local organizations to, to make sure that people in need can eat. I know. I remember you had that. You buy a loaf of bread for $5 and donate it to one of the rescue missions, which is fabulous. Yeah. And so, you know, that's helped us make plans for the future, for sure. And, you know, we're working on a second location now that'll be open downtown later this year. And I think really has taught us how to be better restaurant operators and, and just better managers. And I think the way that we started the business with respect to hiring and employee culture really saved us just to make sure that everybody here feels comfortable coming to work and we didn't want folks coming to work during a pandemic if they didn't feel comfortable doing so and you know we completely switched up the way that our staff work and you know made sure that we are keeping as safe as humanly possible here but you know we've been offering sick time when people don't feel good and making sure that people are taking a mental health break every once in a while and taking extra days off and you know just assuring folks that they're not going to take a cut in pay if they need to take another day off. Yeah, it is amazing what you're doing over there, Andrew. You've been leading the pack along with a few others like Scott Crawford and Ashley, changing the game in the service industry. I think we're trying to set a bar and, you know, we've we've got a lot more work to do to, to make sure that we as a restaurant are offering the same kind of benefits that other businesses and other industries are able to offer. And I think that will keep us competitive, but also it's the right thing to do. We're the owners of this business and we're extremely fortunate to be in that position but you know I think that we as a business can work on a few different ways to to get our folks completely covered with health insurance and you know make sure that we have some sort of plan to to get retirement as an option and make this a nine to five and I think that we can do that yeah that used to be so unheard of you know in the industry and now you offer livable wages I love that you're very flexible if someone needs to drop off their kids at school it's all good or you encourage people to volunteer at the food bank take a day off there is so much 
that you do to continue your pursuit of social change, which you've never shied away from and seem to incorporate that in everything you do. And it's incredibly impressive. You know, I never want to chastise anyone for having different views than my own. But, you know, everyone here shares the views that we have. And we don't, you know, we don't ask people to do that. But I think that, you know, especially now, uh, we're starting to see, you know, restaurants that are operating in the way that we do and allowing their folks to have a voice are not worried about staffing. And I just want to say that, you know, if you take care of your folks and offer a living wage, but you also offer an environment where where people feel heard and people feel comfortable, there's you're not going to have a problem staffing. And I think that something that we are able to do because we own the restaurant in its entirety. And so the voice of the restaurant is something that evolves and changes with the needs of our staff and our community. You know, we want to continue to work on driving the boat because I think it's our civic duty to do so. And I think that we can continue to work towards social justice and just to say that everyone deserves the same fair shot as everyone else and everyone also deserves to be treated the same way by the community and by the state. I think that that's a, a pretty easy ask, but it's something that we have to continue to argue for and stand with folks that, that are working towards those goals. And initially when you opened and I heard Gateway Plaza, and you said it's a community bakery on the edge of downtown. It is, and I thought, Gateway Plaza? Who's going to go in there? You know, it's like everything has changed so much, and now it's just a cool little spot. And since you are pretty much the anchor over there, I would say more and more want to hop into that area since it is on the cusp of downtown and now you're going into the heart of downtown Raleigh. What made you decide to do that? The, the first location that we wanted to go into was on the 200 block of Fayetteville Street. And I worked downtown for almost 10 years and I really love that community and I, I love being downtown. The rent was just not affordable at the time. Again, we were really lucky that the owner of the building told us that he really wanted us as a landlord, but we couldn't afford it. And so we looked elsewhere. And I think, you know, this is it has been an opportunity that's been shown to us and we want to take advantage of it. You know, we really want to be cognizant of the fact that we're able to do this because, you know, somebody lost their business. I think that we also can make a really wonderful contribution to that downtown community. We just hired a chef that we're, we're super excited to announce here soon. We'll have a service coordinator, we'll have a chef, and we'll have a head baker. And we'll train folks to be relatively autonomous within the restaurant. The downtown location will be much simpler, but we'll have a, a more expanded coffee program down there. And we want to have a system where most everything is ready to go. So sandwiches are, are super fast to produce. Anything hot will be off a of panini press and salads will be pre-built. But we'll also bake pastry and cookies and muffins and everything on site and produce bread at the Gateway location for now. And then we are working on a plan to expand wholesale in the next 12 to 18 months and build a production facility. I was laughing when you said there's never a good time, you know, like to have a baby or to open a restaurant. By that, I mean, you know, even planning for, you know, building a family is, you know, it's such a life-changing experience that you're never really ready. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing, like buying a house is an ordeal that I don't really ever want to go through again. (laughs) And when we opened the first restaurant, I said, I'll never do this again. And here we are. And we're going to do another location downtown. And then I am helping Chris Lopez open Fine Folk next to the Union Special location at Gateway. You know, we're trying to make sure that the retail footprint at Union is really 
solid. And if that business can run in a way that uh, isn't super scary and we don't want to overextend ourselves, but I'm also, you know, working on an initiative to identify local chefs and help them open restaurants. And I'm facilitating fundraising and guaranteeing a lease for Chris. And then I own a small portion of that restaurant. You are the epitome of pay it forward, Andrew. Yeah, I've just always admired you for that. You know, we're certainly focusing on working in a way to audit our purchasing and, and start buying from companies that are owned by minority producers. And, you know, we want to do the same with chefs also. And so we're, you know, identifying, you know, women in management roles for unions almost entirely and trying to trying to include everybody. I love that. You know, I was thinking about the name Union Special. I know you're from Ohio. Did that tie into that history back there and manufacturing and union special is a sewing machine and they they have one or two union special machines down at down at raleigh denim and they are hard working and very reliable and you know they're built to last and and we wanted a brand and an ideal to do the same and so we just ripped it and union special for us is, is certainly on the nose and we want to make sure again that employee culture is our main focus in our day-to-day operations andrew tell us a little bit about your background my parents are both master's degree scientists and chemists and geophysicists. And, wow. And I, I had a very strong and stable upbringing. And my brother is eight years older than I am. And we cooked a lot for ourselves. And so my parents owned a business and worked in environmental consulting. And dad was uh, like an oil surveyor in Texas where I was born. And then we moved up to Ohio when the price of the barrel crashed in 85. And so they worked constantly, you know, and they worked really hard hard and they worked hard to, to provide for my brother and I and so I played a lot of sports and, and did a lot of extracurricular activities in, in middle school and junior high and so when I would get home from those my brother and I would make dinner and then mom and dad would come home and we would all eat so I did start cooking young but and I, I mean this in a, in a genuine way I think the one of the advantages that I have as a cook is that I don't have family history and food and that really gave me a blank slate to start on what I wanted to focus on and how I wanted to focus on food and you know I also didn't want to come down to North Carolina and start making southern food and so the idea that I learned to cook at home and you know I, I started working in restaurants when I was a freshman in high school all of my food experience comes from work and so you know again seeing cooks and dishwashers and porters working two jobs you know that really stuck with me as a 16 year old yeah but you did eventually go to culinary school I did yeah I have a culinary degree and then I went on a baking apprenticeship and then I just stuck with that yeah and you had lots of experience at different places, Greenbrier and Washington Duke, and of course, head baker, head pastry chef, Ashley Christensen's restaurants. What's the most important thing you learned from Ashley? I think, you know, Ashley's palate is the best I've ever worked with. I think that I learned how to really dissect the work that I was doing in a constructive way from her and to really put a lot of thought behind what we're doing and at the same time, utilize, you know, nostalgia and the story of an ingredient or the story of a place and time to influence what we're cooking. And I've really enjoyed the way that she, you know, that she tells the story. And so I think that that was really the thing that I that I took the best from her was to say like, you know, there's seven different locations at the time that I left. And there's 
seven different voices. They're all within one umbrella, and so they need to be somewhat consistent. But, you know, the desserts at one restaurant couldn't be the same as another because they weren't the same space. And so we had to think about food in a number of different ways in a single day. And so it broadened my horizons and it, you know, strengthened the idea for me that food history is our history. And, you know, in order to learn about, you know, people or a place or a time, you can you can do a lot of that through food. That's interesting because you're creating stories with every dish and every bread and every pastry. It was good and bad that you're so close to the radio station because those egg sandwiches just call me almost every morning. And I think that might be, Andrew, why I had to go on Noom because (laughs) because I was eating so many of those. But seriously, I adore that you source locally so much, Andrew. I mean, you have Lindley Mills. I know my favorite chocolate milk comes from Marin Lou Dairy and Snow Camp, and you get your buttermilk from them. So that's the other important part of your story. I think those folks have have helped us more than anything. Randy at Marin Lou is an amazing person, and he's an amazing farmer, and he's extra smart. And... The conversations that he and I have on the phone, I take notes. You know, we, we utilize Howling Cow Creamery at NC State for all of our ice cream and, you know, Lindley Mills at uh, in Graham for all of our flour. And, you know, we, we want to utilize folks that are, you know, contributing a lot to the community and support local agriculture, but we also want to support local manufacturing and make sure that we are trying to keep a, a good portion of the money that we're spending on restaurant operations local. And even keeping everything within North Carolina is a dream of ours. You know, I think it's something that we can achieve eventually. But I, I think that, you know, for us to say that we want to focus on employees and then buy everything from, you know, a big box distributor and, and not necessarily focus on anything local is, is kind of counterintuitive. Are you ready to pair a piece of music with one of your signature something somethings in there? I've been trying to think about that. And <laughs> I really love ELO, like a lot. Oh, ELO, that's interesting. Yeah, Jeff Lynn is one of my favorites, and there's a line in Mr. Blue Sky uh, where he just says, hey, you with a pretty face. And I love our croissants in that way when all of them come out absolutely perfect. That's the thought that I have is it's everything super playful and, and everything is, you know, fresh to get, and I feel like that's the most perfect pairing that I can really come up with. That sounds perfect. Scrumptious croissants with Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. Here on our site, we've posted the video. Hope to see you soon at Union Special in Raleigh.